Book nine, chapters three to six of ten books on architecture. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Frederick Carlson. Ten books on architecture by Vitruvius, translated by Morris Hickey Morgan. Chapter three, the course of the sun through the twelve signs. One, the sun after entering the sign Aries and passing through one eighth of it determines the vernal equinox. On reaching the tail of Taurus and the constellation of the Pleiades, from which the front half of the Taurus projects, he advances into a space greater than half the firmament, moving towards the north. From Taurus he enters Gemini, at the time of the rising of the Pleiades, and getting higher above the earth, he increases the length of the days. Next, coming from Gemini into Cancer, which occupies the shortest space in heaven, and after traversing one-eighth of it, he determines the summer solstice. Continuing on, he reaches the head and breast of Leo, portions which are reckoned as belonging to Cancer. 2. After leaving the breast of Leo and the boundaries of Cancer, the sun, traversing the rest of Leo, makes the days shorter, diminishing the size of his circuit, and returning to the same course that he had in Gemini. Next, crossing from Leo into Virgo, and advancing as far as the bosom of her garment, he still further shortens his circuit, making his course equal to what it was in Taurus. Advancing from Virgo, by way of the bosom of her garment, which forms the first part of Libra, he determines the autumn equinox at the end of one-eighth of Libra. Here his course is equal to what his circuit was in the sign Arius. 3. When the sun has entered Scorpio, at the time of the setting of the Pleiades, he begins to make the days short as he advances toward the south. From Scorpio he enters Sagittarius, and, on reaching the thighs, his daily course is still further diminished. From the thighs of Sagittarius, which are reckoned as part of Capricornus, he reaches the end of the first eighth of the latter, where his course in heaven is shortest. Consequently, this season, from the shortness of the day, is called Bruma, or Dies Brumales. Crossing from Capricornus into Aquarius, he causes the days to increase to the length which they had when he was in Sagittarius. From Aquarius he enters Piscis at the time when Favonius begins to blow, and here his course is the same as in Scorpio. In this way the sun passes round through the signs, lengthening or shortening the days and hours at definite seasons. I shall next speak of the other constellations formed by arrangements of stars and lying to the right and left of the belt of the signs, in the southern and northern portion of the firmament. Chapter 4. The Northern Constellations 1. The Great Bear, called in Greek Arctos, or Helike, has her warden behind her. Near him is the Virgin, on whose right shoulder rests a very bright star which we called Harbinger of the Vintage, and the Greeks Protrigetes. But Spica in that constellation is brighter. Opposite there is another star, colored between the knees of the Bear Warden, dedicated there under the name of Arcturus. 2. Opposite the head of the bear, at an angle with the feet of the twins, is the charioteer, standing on the tip of the horn of the bull. Hence, one and the same star is found on the tip of the left horn of the bull and in the right foot of the charioteer. Supported on the hand of the charioteer are the kids, with the she-goat at his left shoulder. Above the bull and the ram is Perseus, having at his right, with the pleiades moving beneath, and at his left the head of the ram. His right hand rests on the likeness of Cassiopeia, and with his left he holds the gorgon's head by its top over the ram, laying it at the feet of Andromeda. 
3. Above Andromeda are the fishes, one above her belly and the other above the backbone of the horse. A very bright star terminates both the belly of the horse and the head of Andromeda. Andromeda's right hand rests above the likeness of Cassiopeia and her left above the northern fish. The waterman's head is above that of the horse. The horse's hoofs lie close to the waterman's knees. Cassiopeia is set apart in the midst, high above the he-goat of the eagle and the dolphin, and near them is the arrow. Farther on is the bird, whose right wing graces the head and scepter of Cepheus, with its left resting over Cassiopeia. Under the tail of the bird lie the feet of the horse. 4. Above the archer, scorpion, and balance is the serpent, reaching to the crown with the end of its snout. Next, the serpent-holder grasps the serpent above the middle in his hands, and with his left foot treads squarely on the foreparts of the scorpion. A little way from the head of the serpent-holder is the head of the so-called kneeler. Their heads are the more readily to be distinguished, as the stars which compose them are by no means dim. 5. The foot of the kneeler rests on the temple of the serpent, which is entwined between the she-bears, called septentrionus. The little dolphin moves in front of the horse. Opposite the bill of the bird is the lyre. The crown is arranged between the shoulders of the warden and the kneeler. In the northern circle are the two she-bears, with their shoulder-blades confronting and their breasts turned away from one another. The Greeks called the lesser bear, Conosaura, and the greater, Elike. Their heads face different ways, and their tails are shaped so that each is in front of the head of the other bear, for the tails of both stick up over them. 6. The serpent is said to lie stretched out between their tails, and in it there is a star, called Polus, shining near the head of the greater bear. At the nearest point, the serpent winds its head round, but is also flung in a fold round the head of the lesser bear and stretches out close to her feet. Here it twists back, making another fold, and, lifting itself up, bends its snout and right temple from the head of the lesser bear round towards the greater. Above the tail of the lesser bear are the feet of Cepheus, and at this point, at the very top, are stars forming an equilateral triangle. There are a good many stars common to the lesser bear and the Cepheus. I have now mentioned the constellations, which are arranged in the heaven to the right of the east, between the belt of the signs and the north. I shall next describe those that nature has distributed to the left of the east and the southern regions. Chapter 5. The Southern Constellations. 1. First, under the he-goat lies the southern fish, facing towards the tail of the whale. The censer is under the scorpion's sting. The foreparts of the cantar are next to the balance and the scorpion and he holds in his hands the figure which astronomers call the beast. Beneath the virgin, lion, and crab is the twisted girdle formed by the snake, extending over a whole line of stars, his snout raised near the crab, supporting the bow with the middle of his body near the lion, and bringing his tail, on which is the raven, under and near the hand of the virgin. The region above his shoulders is equally bright. 2. Beneath the snake's belly, at the tail, lies the kentaur. Near the bowl and the lion is a ship named Argo. Her bow is invisible, but her mast and the parts about the helm are in plain sight, the stern of the vessel joining the dog at the tip of his tail. The little dog follows the twins, and is opposite the snake's head. The greater dog follows the lesser. Orion lies aslant, under the bull's hoof. 
in his left hand grasping his club and raising the other towards the twins. 3. At his feet is the dog, following a little behind the hare. The whale lies under the ram and the fishes, and from his mane there is a slight sprinkling of stars, called in Greek harpedonai, regularly disposed towards each of the fishes. This ligature by which they hang is carried a great way inwards, but reaches out to the top of the mane of the whale. The river, formed of stars, flows from a source at the left foot of Orion, but the water, said to pour from the waterman, flows between the head of the southern fish and the tail of the whale. 4. These constellations, whose outlines and shapes in the heavens were designed by nature and the divine intelligence, I have described according to the view of the natural philosopher Democritus, but only those whose rising and settings we can observe and see with our own eyes. Just as the bears turn round the pivot of the axis without ever setting or sinking under the earth, there are likewise stars that keep turning round the southern pivot, which, on account of the inclination of the firmament, lies always under the earth, and being hidden there, they never rise and emerge above the earth. Consequently, the figures which they form are unknown to us on account of the interposition of the earth. The star Canopus proves this. It is unknown to our vicinity, but we have reports of it from merchants who have been to the most distant parts of Egypt, and to regions bordering on the uttermost boundaries of the earth. Chapter 6 Astrology and Weather Prognostics 1. I have shown how the firmament and the twelve signs with the constellation arranged to the north and south of them fly round the earth, so that the matter may be clearly understood. For it is from this revolution of the firmament, from the course of the sun through the signs in the opposite direction, and from the shadows cast by equinoctial gnomons, that we find the figure of the analemma. 2. As for the branch of astronomy which concerns the influences of twelve signs, the five stars, the sun, and the moon upon human life, we must leave all this to the calculations of the Chaldeans, to whom belongs the art of casting nativities, which enables them to declare the past and the future by means of calculations based on the stars. These discoveries have been transmitted by the men of genius and great acuteness who sprang directly from the nations of the Chaldeans, first of all by Berosus, who settled in the island state of Kos, and there opened a school. Afterwards Antipater pursued the subject, then there was Archinapolis, who also left rules for causing nativities, based not on the moment of birth, but on that of conception. 3. When we come to the natural philosophy, however, Thales of Miletus, Anaxagoras of Clasomenae, Pythagoras of Samos, Xenophanes of Colophon, and Democritus of Abdera have in various ways investigated and left us the laws and the working of the laws by which nature governs it. In the track of their discoveries, Evdoxus, Evctemon, Callippus, Meto, Philippus, Hipparchus, Aratus, and others discovered the risings and settings of the constellations as well as weather prognostications from astronomy through the study of the calendars, and this study they set forth and left to posterity. Their learning deserves the admiration of mankind, for they were so solicitous as even to be able to predict long beforehand with divining mind the signs of the weather which was to follow in the future. On this subject, therefore, reference must be made to their labors and investigations. End of Book 9, Chapter 6